Hello and welcome to episode nine of the Unnamed English Minds podcast. I'm Connor and on the other end of the line is a man I can only describe as Sheridan. Hello, Shezza. You've described me well, mate. How are we doing? Uh, I'm very good, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, actually. I'm in much better shape than I thought I was going to be, thanks to the geezer behind me in Bochum that stopped me going down 17 rows of stairs. Well, there we go. And to be honest, I was going to say there's an elephant in the room, but I think you've already addressed it. On the last episode, we discussed that neither of us were going to be there on Friday, and that's how we were going to tempt fate into get, getting Mainz over the line to their first win of the season. Fast forward to Friday, you're in a blah, blah car towards the Rooker beat. We didn't end up winning. <laughs> uh, are you going to take any responsibility for your actions? I feel like I need to. I, I feel like if I'm going to take any responsibility for anything that comes positive out of Mike's North of this season, it's it's going to have to be the small things and spontaneously deciding after one sip of a bit, uh, excuse me, one sip of a beer to book some random car sharing with three other strangers to uh, Bochum on Friday. Um, it, w- it can only be a good thing. I'm taking the responsibility. That's all on me, lads. Thank you and good night. Yes, I mean, on a serious note, I don't think you are to blame for us dropping points, um, but it did look like an incredible atmosphere in that way end. Over 2,500 making the trip up. There was a fan train which the supporters had organised. There's basically pyro throughout, as far as I could see on TV. Lots of noise which came over on the broadcast as I sat all cosied up in my flat, uh, where there was pyro too, because I do like candles uh, to <laughs> sort of improve the atmosphere. Um, so, what was the experience overall? Shouting, we keep the the wine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so like, uh, and yeah that was um no, a lot uh, a lot colder than your experience would have been of it um but it was good i it was stressful for me i i closed my uh, my work laptop at 3 30 couldn't get across from my new flat in frankfurt i've moved sadly this isn't a fully mindspace podcast anymore we touched on it last week but i am now uh on the wrong side of the river as well but um, so I couldn't get across the Mainz, sadly, for the uh, for the first Fan Express of the season. Um, so booked this this car sharing with three strangers, um, and none of them were football fans. Uh, one of them was an investment banker and was the most boring man I've ever met in my life, um, and was just pleased to arrive uh, in in Bochum half an hour before kickoff to find that all of the lockers at the train station were full. So I had no place to put my bag. Um, managed to persuade a man in a hotel to take five euros off me to <laughs> to put my bag in a, in a in a cupboard somewhere, and then um, jumped on the train, got in to kick off to see us uh, like pyro, keeping the faith, firing the boys on with with two and a half thousand people, like you said, um, for the first time this season in the cold, like the the winter has arrived, late autumn, early winter has arrived in Germany. Yeah, and it is a winter sport, isn't it? Really, like I know we like our summer days out, but I think like the the bulk of the seasons played when it's dark, grim, grey, not very nice, and uh, rightly so. That's the best weather for football. As an advocate of uh, British football, I can only there's nothing better than uh, a, a stadium in the city like Bochum's, which is smaller than the average stadium in a grey city with a bit of drizzle in the air. It's, it's lovely. There's nothing better. Yeah, and some magical floodlights, which, you know, they are the best in Germany, in my opinion. But anyway, lots to discuss, so we should cut the preamble, get into the main event, and let's have a look at the game itself. Um, so probably the best way to start would be the lineup. Uh There were a couple of changes. Maxim Leitch came in for Edemilson Fernandez, um, and Karim Munisivo came in for Jason Lee. Otherwise, it's pretty much as we were the week before. Uh, and after a decent performance, I don't think there was much to argue about. Decent performance being against Bayern, no, sorry. I, 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 
yeah, I, I, I don't think there was uh, a lot to argue in terms of the lineup. Um, there was there was the surprise at the beginning where Eddie Milson Fernandez had been named twice. He was he was once on the on the starting eleven and once on the bench, and, and Stefan Bell had been completely ignored. Um, and the and the group chat to go and mental was saying, you know, do you know what? Like we've been calling for Bo to try something new. Now he's naming the same player twice. Let's see if anyone will notice. Um, but no, they corrected that in the end, and um, Bell did get get the start. Um, but it was yeah, it was as expected. I would I would say. Yeah, and to be honest, the reality where we were able to name Eddie Fernandez twice rather than Stefan Bell would have been a happier one, I think. Uh, in the <laughs> end, despite the kind of lack of complaints that we had before the game with the lineup, I was, I was actually kind of interested in Lee getting dropped and stuff after his sort of recent perform. I think we ended up basically with the worst start of a game that we've had all season, including games where we've been 2 0 down after 10 minutes. So uh, it, it was a very, very weird one where basically. We'll talk about the game now. Uh, pretty much straight away, Zentner's forced into a great save early doors. Uh, Bochum, I think they looked beatable. They're constantly giving the ball away, but we were sitting really deep and just were useless. It didn't matter to them too much. Uh, we gave away a penalty. We were one nil down. And like ultimately, with you know just over half of the first half played, we're forced into a double sub and it's a tactical one. There's no injuries or anything like that. So I think that sums up that first 30 minutes or so. With it was so bad that <laughs> our manager that doesn't really make a substitute before the 80th minute decided this this needs to change. Yeah, it was. Uh, um, there's, yeah, there's no two ways about it. It's the worst. I think half an hour I've ever seen of a Mainz team. It was really, really bad. Um, the like the first chance we give away a free kick uh, over on the inside, and it's just been played short. It's just been slipped in by the defender who's kind of stood watching. The, on watching he's put a ball into the box which nobody has picked up and cleared and Zentner makes a stunning save and within five minutes was the only player on the pitch or only the only Mainz player on the pitch who actually looked like he was going to do anything in the 90 minutes um, saved our skins once again I, I text immediately um, to, to into the group I was like if I'm stood here for 90 minutes after all the stress we've gone through to spontaneously be here if I'm going to have to watch Robin Sentner save our ass for 90 minutes then I'm just going to leave now I can't be doing with this um, and, and things didn't get better and then for the penalty for the first goal like you say this it's just a ball into the box it kind of bounces and Danny DaCosta it's just he's asleep it takes him five seconds to realise what's going on, and at that point, he's decided to then kick the striker up in the air. And we we said it from the from the uh, away end immediately because he wasn't given. The referees had to go and check VAR before he's given the penalty. We're all stood in the penalty box going, "You know what? If he doesn't give this, we've got away with one because the the lad's still rolling around in the floor." Danny Costa's absolutely left one on him. It's the clearest penalty you've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, this is the really annoying thing about that penalty is that like you can't argue with it, but it's also one of those ones where. We've not gained any advantage from having done it either. Like there was no reason for Danny DaCosta to basically stick his leg in there because he's running down a blind alley. Like he, the the Bochum player would have lost the ball anyway. So it's one of those things of yes, absolutely a penalty. You can't do that. Why on earth are you doing it? And it's not the first time. Well, it's not the only time in the game that I'm going to look at Danny DaCosta and kind of say honestly, what are you doing in a defensive sense? But I don't know. Like it's not been a great season for him so far, and uh, I think we're getting to the point of really hoping that someone's going to be able to come in at some point and uh, take over his position because yeah I just it's just needless and obviously you got Ke- former Mainz man Kevin Stöger tucking it home sending Zentner the wrong way and uh, celebrating in front of the travelling fans I'm sure that wasn't a fun moment for you 
Even go down as a as an ex monitor that, that he is. He seems to always score against us as well. Like his performances when he was asked like weren't great. I don't think he was the worst player in the world, but he, I don't think he added a lot to us. Um, he's moved to Bochum and and just scores every time we play them. Like he just winds me up. If anything, like I can't get angry at the man. He's just he winds me up. Yeah, I mean, this is this is the thing. Uh, it seems to be there's a lot of players from that kind of era that he was with us a couple of years ago that left and just have it in for us now. Um, but ultimately, like he he got the last laugh. We, we, uh, Luca Killian would be the other example at Cologne who um, just hates us, but he channels it by getting sent off for no reason and all that kind of stuff. Whereas Stöger's like that's his third goal against <laughs> us in the last 18 months so not good at all uh i would say we improved after the double sub so the double sub was um jason lee coming on for stefan bell um and tom kraus replacing dominic core who um, basically had an argument with the ref got booked after the penalty which again you're like what on earth are you doing that for is a penalty um and just was living life very dangerously on that yellow um so the tactics have brought us away from the, what i've described as the tyranny of the back five um we gained a few yards uh, but it, it did take some time for us to kind of bear fruit from that because we didn't we finished the, sh- the half not having had a shot on or off target. Uh, so you know any praise that I'd give to the improvement, I guess, would be tempered. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, we we looked better. We looked slightly more solid, certainly in our shape once we changed to the back four. And I don't want to come out straight away and be like, we've been calling for this for six weeks. Finally, we've done it and we looked better. But there there was a. a a kind of inkling of, oh, do you know what? Actually, there's been a slight system change here and this might do anything, but not really, because like you say, we didn't create a shot on goal. And and we come out as well saying within the first 45 minutes, like Brian Gruder, we've talked about him a lot in the last few weeks, didn't have the greatest 45 minutes of his life. Like he, he was confident, he was creative and he was he was looking to 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 do something um, and was the only player kind of within our 11 that was really looking to take the game by the scruff of the neck and and do anything but he was losing the ball a lot as well like he wasn't having a good 45 minutes but we're still in the away end watching him going geez at least he's trying like at least he's got he's got ideas but it just it wasn't coming off technically um and at half time it was a case of like i'm just gonna go and get a bite of worst and a beer and i'm just gonna pretend the last 45 minutes of my life didn't happen if anyone's getting anything against that then <laughs> i don't know what to do for you yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things where basically Bochum very clearly noticed from, they probably listened to the podcast uh, and saw our analysis, that basically the only way that we were going to hurt them was by Brian Gruder doing something. So it's very much a case of extra attention was given to him. Plus, you then add to the fact he's 19. We can't ask him to necessarily be consistent every week. It's it's one of those ones where, yeah, he kept trying the right thing and it just didn't come off. I think, like I said, because of the uh, the extra attention he was getting. Um and yeah, I mean, well, I'm glad that you were able to reset your uh, kind of expectation at halftime of your breakfast and your beer. Uh, I was just sort of sat there waiting for it to get started again. And so we basically picked up where, where we left off. Uh, Bochum had the ball immediately in the net in the first minute of the second half, but thankfully it's ruled out for offside. Uh, not before the guy had based, basically the guy was still celebrating his goal when play restarted, which was <laughs> mental. Um, and it was yeah, really not clear what was going on on the TV. But uh, how did you see that one in the stadium? Uh, um, I honestly, I didn't see the offside because they like I've watched the highlights back. They didn't show it in the highlights, um, but it looked very tight from where I was stood. Um, and I was just glad to see the referee raise his arm and say, no, that was offside. Um, but it was 
I, I, I don't think anyone in the away end actually called for the offside. It was actually just like within 60 seconds, we've just come back out and, and carried on as we left off as it was. Who do we think we are? Like, you might as well just send us into the third division now. But thankfully, it was, uh, it was chalked off. Um, and, and we um, slowly ground ourselves into the game. I, I wouldn't say we were forced to be reckoned with, but we decided that we weren't going to turn up and roll over. There was a little bit more grit that was shown. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those ones where the guy's actually quite a bit offside, but it was in the build-up, so it's hard to really tell from the initial look as well. Um, so, yeah, I was just glad to see a flag go up, basically. Um, that made uh, made the uh, evening a lot better. And one of the other things that happened at halftime was Eamon Barcock coming on for Ludovic Ajork, and we, we've discussed him before about some of the positives and negatives of him. Um, I think I may be starting to come around to him, Sheridan, because probably on the night he was our best performer in terms of everything good that we did in that second half. You know, there was a lot of attempted stuff that didn't go right either, but pretty much anything good that we did going forward involved him somehow, whether that was he flicked something without really knowing much about it and we scored an own goal or setting up an attack or just constantly willing runs. Um, It was a very bitty game, very stop-start, but where it was starting and where we had the ball, I think he was our main danger, really. Yeah, he's he's going to have to do that three or four times before I come around to him. I have, as 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 listeners might have worked, I have a bit of agenda, an agenda when it comes to Damon Barcock. But he did. He was very positive when he came off the bench. Um, I would say a lot of that is down to the fact that he replaced a York, who was possibly the worst player on the pitch. Um, nothing stuck to the man. He couldn't pass the ball. 10 yards uh he, he looked I don't, I don't know what was going on with him but he was not in the game um and then Barcott came on and replaced him and like you say made the right runs made some very intelligent runs um played some simple balls where the simple ball needed to be played played something a bit more creative a bit more adventurous um when the moment was right and 10 minutes into the second half played a massive role in our equalizer yes i mean it's a, it's a corner where it's broken down anthony cassie Fires in a shot across goal, just putting it into a dangerous area, I think, rather than specifically trying to get to score, I guess. Um, and kind of takes a deflection off a Bokken player. It hits Eamon Barcock, hits Kevin Schlotterbeck, and it's in the back of the net. And to be honest, at that point, I just really have no interest at all in how it's gone in. It's in and it's one all, and it's a, a very good moment. It was exactly the kind of goal we needed to score in exactly the right kind of game. Like we didn't look like we were going to create much out of open play, and certainly not off of our own or out of our own steam. Um, so a ball drop into Cassie, who, like you say, he's just kind of crashed it. But I think he's had a, a go at goal, but it's one of those where he's not actually aimed to put it anywhere. He's just hit it where he knows the goal is and hoped for the best. Um, and. I've said a lot of things about Eamon Barcock and I've said I'm not sure he's the best player in the world, but his vision for the goal is sensational. The the vision to to kind of backheel that onto Schlotterbeck, knowing that that's going to go into the goal. If he's not got 20 vision in Football Manager next season, I'm having words for Sports Interactive because it was the greatest moment I've ever seen on a football pitch. The man's a genius. Yeah, no, it's a uh, it's very, very good play there. Um, probably FIFA Street again. We can we can pull back that reference. Um <laughs> But yeah, it's, it's 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 rare that you get a shot that's in the corridor of uncertainty rather than a cross. And that's definitely what it was from Cassie. Um, so again, we have to praise him as well. Uh, and yeah, like I say, we've, we've bemoaned a little bit of a lack of luck in recent weeks. And a lot of the time you make your own luck and we've not been doing that. In that case, we did and we got the rub of the green there. So um, very happy about that. And really, it's one of those things. 
I would say probably up until that goal and then maybe the 10 minutes after it, we were probably the better team in that second half. Uh, then the game kind of turns on its head again. Um, Thomas Lech, the Bochum manager, made a double substitution, um, bringing Pacienza and Hoffman on up top. And that kind of forced both Svensson's hand to basically undoing some of the positive steps that we'd made and going more defensive. Uh, so in terms of maybe this is partly why we don't always see uh, changes so early on, because having changed system to something that worked a lot better, he was then kind of forced into, OK, well, now they've got two big lumps up front. We now need to probably have an extra defensive body there. Um, and we're all at least without we need to change something. And then without an attacking outlet on the bench, having already used it, uh, it was it was a difficult one, but we ended up going back to the back five uh, and then conceding. Yeah, I won't repeat some of the expletives that that were said when when the change was made because it was Gruder that came off and was replaced by Gilavogi. So on one hand, it was nice to see Gilavogi actually in a mind shirt. It's taken it's taken a while since he came in, but he he came on um, for the first time in a competitive game. At least I think he played in the the benefit match um, for the for the flood um, a couple of weeks ago over in towards the Zarland area. Um, but actually in a competitive game, it was good to see him in a Mainz shirt. But, but it, it was crazy to me at the time because, we'd, like we say, we'd, we'd got our foot on the ball a little bit and we're actually going, do you know what? We need to win a game this season. Bochum are here, not necessarily for the taking, but if you're going to win a game, it might as well be here and now. Um, and then switch to the back five and immediately Bochum picked up uh, more space. They picked up more, more threat, certainly. Pacienza came on and looked like he was going to create something every time he was in and around the ball. Um, and then with 10 minutes or so to go, this this corner comes in and lo and behold, Mainz failed to, de- uh, to deal with a delivery into the box this season. Schlotterbeck wins the header. Zentner pushes it to the side. Whether he could do more or not, I don't know. I'm not a goalkeeper, maybe. Um, but it's, it's again, failure to deal with a ball into the box. And um, we've conceded another goal from it at a time where we, we should not have been conceding that goal. Um, and it and it it knocked this. You could see it. It knocked the stuffing out of the players. You could see how um, kind of down they are, how down spirited they are. And to take a positive from that goal that we've conceded, um, it was Sylvan Vidmer that that ran from behind the goal. He was warming up almost at a halfway line uh, to give it to the lads. You know, body language. Where are your heads? Get yourselves up. Chins up. Let's go again. We start again. Um, we we need you in this. This is a fight. Don't let your heads go down. And it was in that moment that I've said it before, we realized how much we miss Vidmer on the pitch um, because he is just the perfect captain. And it was embodied in exactly how he reacted to us going down what to what would and could have been a very important bottom goal. Yeah, I mean, actually, it's very interesting that you raised that because basically the entire run of games that we've not been winning in the Bundesliga began in the game that he got injured. So, you know, we'd have we would have lost the game against Wolfsburg regardless of a shoulder injury. I think it's 3-0 at that point. Yeah. But ever, since then, yeah, maybe it has been a little bit of our leadership on the, the pitch that's been missing because I think after that that you, that you saw from him, I actually think the reaction to the goal is really good, but we should go over the goal in a, a bit more detail because I think this is again where I just have to throw Danny DeCosta under the bus a little bit. It's his man. Why are you standing still just in the box? Like, why are you switching yeah. off? It's such a key moment. Both teams have not won in the league all season. It's, it's, it's in moments like that that you have to be switched on and you have to be making sure that you're tracking everyone that's around you. So um, for me, so in the moment that the ball went in, you see a ball go at Zentner uh, obviously, it's very short distance between the ball being headed and and him, um, and it's a very very strong header by uh, Schlotterbeck who makes amends for his earlier own goal. But 
in the moment, I was like, if the ball's going right at you, mate, you have to you have to get a stronger hand on it so it's not going into the net. At least deflect it somewhere else. Um, I don't mind. I don't even care if you put on a plate for someone else, but make the save. Um, looking at it more and more, I'm just kind of thinking, well, it, it, it's neither here here nor there. It's a very good shot on target, um, and yeah, actually defend. Um, so in terms of don't. Uh, it, it, maybe you can even say like, okay, the defender getting to the ball first is is kind of permissible, but he was completely unmarked. Uh, so as as his man, you have to follow him in. You have to maybe just put him slightly off balance so he kind of can't get the connection so that it makes that an easier save for Zentner. Because honestly, like it's percentage points from him being able to sort of push that wide or block it back into play or something. Uh, and those kind of percentages we probably might have been able to have had our marking been better at that corner. But just very, very frustrating, I think, uh, because in that second half, like you say, Bokhamid got into it a little bit more after that double substitution up front. I think Hoffman had missed a really good chance moments before. Um, but over the course of the whole second half, I, I think we were slightly the better team. So it is one of those ones. You see the 2-1. You see that they're going to go defensive. We're going to have to react. And just, yeah, the way that the season's been going, I just didn't see where a goal was going to come from. But... With 96 minutes played, it did, Sheridan. So talk me through that moment because I think it's a much better moment to have lived in the stadium than on TV. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, it was um, incredible. Like we haven't had uh, many good moments this season, um, but but when that ball hit the net, like it was it was one of those perfect footballing moments. The goal was right in front of the away end, um, and the ball's kind of rippled into the net as the stadium's gone silent. You could hear the ball ripple into the net. There was that half second of silence where everyone's kind of computing what's just happened. And then two and a half thousand mites just went mental. The place fell in a massive way. And it was, mate, it was dreamy. Honestly, that's the reason you put the miles in as a, as a football fan. It's, it's moments like that where it doesn't like it didn't matter who was stood next to you people hugging everyone people going mental the, I think I think it might have been a mate of mine that's got his hand on my shoulder like I said at the beginning that stopped me going 17 rows down because I I went my soul left my body um but leading up to it leading up to this beauty of the moment was all of this frustration like you say it was about 15 minutes of we're not going to get an equalizer here like we are not creating anything apart from I think Barcock had a shot with a couple of minutes left of normal time where he's kind of stepped in inside uh, on the edge of the box and curled one almost in down the keeper's throat you know he's done well to hold on to it but it, it wasn't the, the biggest effort in the world you know it's not one I wouldn't expect the goalkeeper in the Bundesliga to hold and other than that we didn't really create anything and we're going we're not going to do it after five minutes of stoppage time without an, an extra shot on target or an extra shot of any note we're going it, it's just another one of those days we are so limp going forward and then Zentner comes up for I think it's a, a free kick the, the ball gets whipped in there's a bit of ping pong it bounces out and Kraus just puts his foot through it and whether it's going in or not I'm not sure um, but it, it certainly takes a massive deflection and loops over the goalkeeper and hits the mo- it hits the net and the place fell and <laughs> I don't. I think that's going to be my favourite moment of the season. I just <laughs> I'm reliving it in my head right now. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Thank you, Tom Krause, for giving us that moment. Yeah, and and I mean, I think it's probably what he deserved from coming on in the difficult situation at one 0 down, replacing Dominic Core, and then delivering a decent performance in the midfield. Um, and hopefully, it's a moment for him that can kind of turn his mind's career in a slightly more positive direction. I don't think he's been bad for us, but I think he's been very in and out and very kind of. Uh, inconsistent uh, so hopefully it's one of those moments where it's just now you've laid down your marker I, 
it's a scruffy goal. I, I think the, I think the shot's probably off target. Again, like I say, I don't care. It's, it's similar in a way to that Barcock chance that he missed before, where it's just basically when that Barcock chance was missed, I was just like, you just want someone to deflect that. And then <laughs> it's anyone's game kind of thing. And that's what's happened with Tom Krause last minute, last kick of the game, uh, apart from the deflection, obviously. Uh, and uh, that's what's carried us to, I, I mean, I think a game that we couldn't, we sh- really couldn't have lost. Uh, in terms of our situation, a game that we really needed to win. Um, but those kind of moments are some things that can carry you forward. And again, I, yeah, I'm just very, very happy. I was doing the, the Bellingham. I just got up off the sofa and I was uh, arms up. So uh, <laughs> was, uh, was very, very happy uh, when that one went in. Um, so, yeah, we've heard about how it was in the away end. So everyone was going absolutely crazy. Um in terms of where we go forward from this, I think, you know, possibly the point's not useful for anyone. I think Kevin Schlotterbeck did a very, very interesting post-game interview on Design where he just seemed so just like lost for words uh, and just sort of, you know, nobody needs, like nobody can be happy with this kind of point and, and the displays that they've given, which I think is absolutely fair enough. Uh, but I think from our perspective, firstly, you've got the moment that can hopefully boost everyone. Um, you've got a couple of things, details in there that can hopefully give us a little bit of hope. Also, the fact that we went to a back four and it worked. I mean, in terms of the, the scoreline per when we were in each formation, when it was playing a four, three, three, or whatever it was, we, we won one nil. Uh, so that worked out, out quite well. So may, maybe there's a blueprint of how we can change, uh, about that. And then as well, um, there's the stuff that the people behind the scenes have said. So I think Bo did actually say that he began kind of questioning how he was thinking about certain things, which maybe means that there'll be a change in approach going forward. I don't know. Um, I think Martin Schmidt decided that, no, the problem is the players when he was interviewed. So uh, you never know. But as long as someone in there gets the right thing and start and decides to change something, then that's the main thing, isn't it? Yeah, I, yeah, I'd agree with you there. I think, first of all, there's, there's two things. Is um, Going back to one of the earlier points you were saying, it's not just a point that we've got, you know, as, especially against a relegation candidate like Bochum that are going to be down the bottom of the table with us. Hopefully not with us, but they're certainly they're certainly going to be at the bottom of the table, I would think. Um, is it, It's points like that, that that will make or break your season. I mentioned it in a previous podcast about Schalke last season. They ended up going down, but they showed so much grit. There were so many games where you thought they were dead and buried and they somehow rescued a point or they somehow got themselves back into the game. And that's what carried their fans over the line because they're going... We are in this. We are fighting for this. The players want it. The, the coaching staff want it. Those in the suits eating prawn sandwiches want it. This club cannot get relegated. It didn't work in the end. But there was there was that energy there. And I feel like we've missed that with Mainz a bit this season. All of the performances have been a bit limp. They've been a bit kind of nothing. Um, so to get such an important goal at such an important time in such an important game as well, because it's one of those that we, we said in last week's episode, you simply cannot lose. In a in a situation in a crisis that we're in, you cannot lose these games. Um, it was it was such an important goal, um, and we can take that forward. And I think one of the ways we can take that forward is, like Bo was saying, you know, he's having a little think about his way of thinking and his way of structuring teams going into games. My way of looking at it now is one of the positives. We play away at Hertha in the cup um, on Wednesday night in a couple of days during the week. Um, if you're going to go with a, a system change. I think this is the ideal game to do it. We're playing against a, a team in the second division and, you know, who I haven't got the greatest confidence in the world at the moment. It's a team that I would expect us uh, realistically to go and beat. Obviously, there's no guarantee it's cup football where anyone can beat anyone. But on paper, I would be hoping that we'd be looking at Hertha and going, we should win this match. If we're going to look at a bit of a structural change and go, okay, 
how do we do things a bit differently to make this more positive then this would be the ideal game for me put it out see what happens if we lose in the cup it's it is what it is obviously i don't want that to happen um i think we should be targeting going as far in the competition as we would um but but change it up let the exciting young players the exciting attacking players like you gruder um like maybe even marco richter um players like this uh give them a chance in the game let them show them show us what they can do um, in a in a different situation, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. If it does work, then that's something to work on in a competitive situation going into the next league games. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. There, it's one of those things where you can't go into Hertha away in the state that they're in as well um, in the league and be scared of that. You have uh, you have to go in there as the higher ranked team um, and uh, think you know this is we're going to win this um, as long as we do what we do well and go in there just fully focused on we're going to make some positive and correct decisions and allow that to kind of build up some momentum because without a little bit of momentum behind us, without the wind in our mass from that equaliser and from hopefully a good performance and a good result on on Wednesday, um, then uh, it's going to be hard against Leipzig. Um, that's another one where we're going to have to kind of, yeah, pull out something, pull something out of the hat and, you know, maybe we can. I think where there's a little bit more optimism now than there may have been before a week uh, or until a week ago um, is just with the reports from uh, the outset, the local newspaper, that um, a few players uh, that we have missed over recent weeks or recent months um, are back in training. So um, Philip and Vina, who had a really good first couple of games back and then all of a sudden was out injured without really anyone knowing why, um, he's back in training, uh, trained today on, on Monday as we record this. Um, and Jonathan Burkhardt, who hasn't played for a year, um, is also back in training, it seems, with the team. Um, so I, I guess with him, it's probably still one of those ones of you want him to be in training for a little bit longer before you're going to throw him into the the fire of competitive games. Uh, but we're lacking ideas up front, and hopefully that means that before long he'll be able to go and show us what he can do as well on the pitch um, in a positive sense. Yeah, I really hope so. Um, I, I moved to Mainz originally in about 2018, 2019, just as Johnny Burkhardt was starting to break through the, the 19s um, and, and showing himself as kind of the up and coming thing. So he's always been, uh, it's difficult to say my favourite Mainz player, but I think favorite minds player i just i absolutely adore the man and i really hope that this him re-entering training is a sign of him being able to get his career back on uh back on track after a year of not really kicking a football um i'm no doctor i'm, I'm no physiotherapist i've got no idea but i can't imagine 12 months out of a professional sport is going to do you a lot of good um so i i really hope that he's able to to hit the ground running as it were um, and, and can fight his way back into the team. But but we'll see with him. Um, Mavena's a big positive as well. Again, um, another player coming back from a mysterious injury that no one's got any idea about. Um, so we'll see. And um, yeah, I think it's worth touching then on uh, the next player that's, as of today, been uh, re-entered into the, potentially being re-entered into the squad in the coming weeks will be um, Mr. Controversy himself, Anwar Al-Ghazi. Uh, yeah, I mean, so the club released a statement um, basically kind of giving a little bit more detail over the past couple of weeks. So basically they've said that uh, he's been given a formal warning um, for the conduct that we mentioned on the last podcast. Basically, it seems that the player in conversations with the club uh, has seen him, has kind of clarified his position, distanced himself from the uh, content and has... Uh, convince the club that you know he's being sincere in what he says on, on, on that kind of front so um 
this is all stuff that's kind of from the statement or sort of slight paraphrasing of the statement. Um, so I think it's good to see basically that the club have taken their time to kind of understand all of the facts before making like a permanent decision um, on this uh, kind of thing. Um, on a sporting level, it'd be really good to have him back because I think he's a very good player and we lack players in that position in the squad. Uh, I think again, it's not a it's not a situation that's going to be resolved just because he's back in the squad or that, or because he would have been released or something. Um, I think it's it's one of those things. It's a very controversial topic. Uh, there's obviously lines drawn on all kinds of different sides uh, there. Um, so I think it's just one where we hope that we can take him at his word and. Um, yeah, we're not going to have controversy on, on off of the pit. It's one of those ones I'm sure we'll end up having to keep thinking and talking about this kind of discussion. But uh, yeah, at least there's some kind of line drawn under it officially. Uh, and let's hope that we move forward positively on that. Yeah, I think that's a, a, a good way of putting it. From a purely footballing perspective, it's, it's going to be good to have him back in the side. Um, he's he was one of the most exciting lights within the within the team in the, the two or three appearances he did make. Um, and... We just hope that the the club have taken all the info that has been provided in conversation with the player, um, and they're able to move forward uh, with this with the best interests of um, everybody at heart. Yes, for sure. Um, so, I mean, there has been a bit more information coming out of the club as well, not about that, uh, but about the um, women's team, uh, who uh, I think a few uh, about a month ago now we heard about their cup draw against Duisburg uh, at the end of November. So we now have a date and a time for that. Um, so it's the same day as Hoffenheim away, 26th of November, 3pm. They're going to be playing at the Brookvig. Um, So kind of a shame that probably people aren't able to attend both on the same weekend. That would have been really great if it had worked out. Um, but fingers crossed um, the many thousands of fans that would go to home games but can't get to away games for whatever reason will be able to sort of uh, go down and support that team. Um, I think I'll probably be down there as well um, on that particular Sunday. Um, they won 5-1 away in Elfersburg at the weekend, so still unbeaten, third in the league and with two games in hand with wins in those, taking them up top, hopefully. So fingers crossed, let's not say that that's going to happen. And then Sheridan, you were at the under-19s uh, in midweek against Maribor to see us get through to the next round of the Youth League. So quick word on that. Yeah, I was um, equally with the the women's side away from the uh, away from the men's team. The under 19s are having a fantastic start to the season after winning the uh, the national title last season. Um, we uh, lost for the first time uh, this season last weekend or the weekend before. Sorry, against uh, Bayern Munich, which is a bit of a shame, um, but managed to uh, battle our way through a one-all draw against uh, Slovenian side Mar Maribor in the first round of the UEFA Youth League and have qualified for the next round. So we will have uh, Dunamo Minsk of Belarus, who, if I have it correct in my head, I think I do, currently aren't allowed to play their games within the home nation in Minsk, um, which means that both legs will be in might. So we'll hope that fans will be allowed into both of those um, and we can cheer the young lads on to um, the next round, which I believe would then involve the so-called bigger sides, which you're buying Munich's, your Manchester City's, your Real Madrid's and so on. So it'd be very excited if a club of that stature um, would come to the Brookvake in the coming weeks and months. Yeah, can't wait to give some elite academy players some pelters uh, at some point. If that does transpire, if not, then maybe <laughs> another year. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess a little bit of housekeeping as well before we go. Uh, so this is going to be our episode this week. Obviously, you're listening to it now. Um, we will then do a podcast 
following the Leipzig game about Hertha and Leipzig. Uh, so that'll probably be a little bit of a longer one uh, and we look forward to that. So thanks for joining us. Hopefully you'll join us for that one as well. Uh, any final thoughts, Sheridan? No, I, I think we've uh, said everything we need to say. Um, I'm looking forward to the the cold and drizzle in Berlin um, and you'll enjoy hopefully a bit more warmth uh, in Mainz for the home game. And uh, yeah, we'll see and hear each other again next week in this infamous kitchen of yours. Yeah, digital kitchen. But anyway, thank you for listening and goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye.